Child of the Moon, episode 207, is the topic of today's official ABC Once Upon a Time podcast. I'm your host, Estelle Magecki, and the creators and executive producers of Once, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, are here to guide us through a recap. Hi, guys. Hello, Hello. everyone. This week, we continue Ruby's story during the episode. In fairy tale land, when she tears her cloak, you see how desperate she is about controlling her wolf self, something that she relives in Storybrooke. Well, you know, when we pick her up in Fairytale Land, it's shortly after she's discovered she is the wolf. So there's a lot of tension in what that's going to mean for her and how she's going to handle this major change in her life. In Storybrooke, recently awakened, she's dealing with the same thing again because after 28 years of being cursed, she doesn't know what she's going to be able to control or not control. She doesn't know what's going to happen now that magic's back. So it's a pretty familiar dilemma and one that she was wishing would never come back. I think one of the interesting things about the curse is, of course, it took away all your memories. But for some people, there were memories that wanted to be taken away. And she's back and she's facing them and there's a full moon coming and she lives with the regret of the people she's killed in her life and wonders, will it happen again? And when Ruby meets Quinn, her childhood with Granny is actually challenged by the pack's perspective. Yeah, in their perspective, she's denying who she is, and because of that, she won't ever be able to become what she should be. And that's their point of view. And of course, Granny, we realized in Red Handed last year, tried to shield her from it only to realize that actually wasn't the best way to deal with it either. And it resulted in Red, unfortunately, finding out who she was after she killed someone she loved and being forced from home. This story picks up shortly after that. Her and Snow are on the run. They've built up this friendship, but she is very confused as to who she is. And like a lot of us, just wants to know, where do I fit in? Ruby's mother convinces her that Granny lied. Did she really lie? She didn't really lie. She was just trying to do the best that she could for her granddaughter. I mean, she absolutely lied in the fact that her mother was killed by hunters. She clearly wasn't. And I think Granny has the best intentions and loves Ruby, which is why they're so close. But like a lot of us, you try to protect your children. And sometimes you don't do it in the right way. Sometimes you do it in a way that's so overprotective you've actually harmed them. And I think that's what happened. If Granny perhaps was a little more honest with Ruby when they lived together, then maybe Ruby would have found these things out in a much easier way. I think Granny was so frightened of losing another, she lost her daughter. She felt her daughter was this wolf. The daughter had gone off. The daughter had become almost evil in her eyes, and she didn't want to lose another person she loved, so she held on too tightly. But sometimes when you do that, they leave you anyway. I'm so glad that Ruby meets her pack, because in meeting her mom, it was an important step in her development of understanding and accepting who she was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And later when Ruby's mom demands that she kills Snow, Ruby actually determines her own path. Yeah, I think that is the moment where she had to realize on one hand, someone was telling her to be human, which was Granny. On the other hand, her mother's telling her to be a wolf. And in that moment, she realized the only one who said okay to both was Snow. And it was a really difficult choice. And it was in that moment that she realized her mom may have been able to help her control who she was, but her mom maybe didn't have her best interests in heart. I think it speaks a lot to her character that she would rather defend her friend and lose this potential family that she felt a part of than become something she's not, which is a killer. And is Ruby's struggle with the wolf a useful metaphor for all of the characters to merge their two parts? Well, I think that they're all struggling now with merging their pasts and their presence. So it is, you know, a, a microcosm of what everyone is going through. But I think Ruby also has very, very 
specific issues particular to every now and then turning into a wolf and desiring to feast on flesh. Yes, and you know, my favorite part, to be honest, is the title Child of the Moon because Adam and I were wondering, we don't want to call them werewolves. <laughs> And we wanted an earthier term, and we were listening to the Rolling Stones, and we remembered the song Child of the Moon, which was the B-side to Jumpy Jack Flash. And as big Stones fans, that became... And so, as we said to Goldbliss, shove that term in as much as possible. <laughs> King George is really intimidating in this whole episode as well. Yes. And he does convince the entire town to destroy Ruby just to get it charming. Well, he's a man out for vengeance. As he said to Charming in the beginning, you should have killed me when you had the chance, and now I'm going to make you suffer for it. He's also a guy who was very comfortable with trying to make Snow White barren. So he is a man who is not only vengeful, but is kind of sick and twisted. Cutting someone in half might be an indication of that. Yeah, that is true. He repeats that line again later on at the fire when mm -hmm. he's burning the hat, and the hat, I feel like, has been through a lot. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about where he would go from here? Well, that's an excellent question. I mean, where he would go from here is into some form of custody. What's also interesting there is he's now said twice in the episode, you should have killed me when you had the chance. So there's more to what's gone on between them to be explored. But clearly he survived in fairytale land because only the living have come over to Storybrook. Whatever happened to him back there, he's carried a huge grudge against Charming and Snow. Maybe he needs a few sessions with Archie? He could probably use a few court-mandated sessions with Archie, yes. In Storybrooke, Charming is really by Ruby's side. He is so adamant, he'll risk everything to stand by her. It really is, is exactly what he said. Mary Margaret had all the evidence in the world that she killed Catherine. Her fingerprints were on the box. It was Catherine's heart, so to speak. All the evidence pointed toward her, and he didn't believe in her. And because of that, he has that memory of the time when Mary Margaret needed him and he wasn't there for her. So I think that it's lessons learned. He knows Ruby. He's been through many battles. We've seen their history together. We've seen that she is the best friend to the woman he loves, and he just refuses to believe it. And a part of that could just be him not wanting to believe it, but he was proven right. And I think that sometimes you just have to have faith and hope that it turns out. His belief in her made her believe it. Yeah. Then later on, Belle also supports Ruby. And I know that we've talked in a previous podcast about Belle's special power. Yeah. Belle has an incredible heart and an incredible mind, and her gift is perception. Her gift is to be able to look at others and to see their true selves beneath whatever their exterior is. And I think that despite everything she went through in the curse and being locked up by Regina, that hasn't gone away. Earlier in the episode, when we see Henry in the midst of his dream, it's pretty traumatic. I think we're gonna find out more about this, but the fact that he can burn himself and he can feel this and it feels so real lets us know that perhaps this isn't just a dream. And Mr. Gold helps Henry without a price to pay. And it's really quite a touching moment. Robert Carlyle just plays that yeah. to a T, that whole scene. Yes, Bobby is fantastic. You know, in that moment, I think he stared down at a boy who was about the same age Balefire was when he let him go, and he sees a child hurting. And I think that is duplicitous as he can be and as evil as he can be. We've also seen how much kindness and capacity for love he has when given the right circumstance. Then later, Aurora makes contact with Henry. 
This looks like it might be a way for everyone to connect. Yes. Is it a between worlds chat room? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They have made contact and this is the first time both sides have made contact. So I certainly hope this helps bring them back. And do you guys have a favorite scene from this episode? I love the scene where Ruby is being told how to control herself as the wolf and we're in her point of view and we're kind of running through the pack. That for me is one of my favorites. And I love the scene between Snow and Ruby at the end over the grave when Ruby says she protected her family. I think it's a really nice moment and I think it's nice to just see two people being friends. I like venturing into that dream world. I think that that was really exciting for me to see come alive. From a set perspective, I really love the den. Yes, the den is, again, part of the Rolling Stones theme. Uh, Michael Joy, who is our production designer, I can't say enough about his talent. You know, when we talked to him, we said, you know, this is Rolling Stones' beggar's banquet. And what he did as a fellow Stones fan is he brought in that 60s Marrakesh vibe. For anyone who's really into the Rolling Stones know, they spend some time in Marrakesh. So that is kind of our Keith Richards, Mick Jagger den. There's a lot of feathers in the hair. Yeah, earthy. It could be a trend. Well, you know, I hope so. For us, you know, nature has always been a part of the show. We always looked at Snow White as like early mother earth. And that's why she always has the flowers in her hair. And, and so the feathers and all that, that was Eduardo's idea. It's just kind of that earthy uh, sense of nature, which we think would be a part of the Enchanted Forest. We have a Facebook question. Anne-Marie Kozitsky asks, does Granny turn into a wolf anymore? Well, she certainly suggested that it's been a long time, so I don't know if there's a wolf menopause, but she seems to be in it. But she certainly is able to have some of the senses heightened still. But, you know, I would never say never. Eddie and Adam, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. If you'd like to be a part of our next session, please add your question to our podcast post on the Once Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash onceabc. Or tweet me your question at E-S-T-E-L-L-E underscore M-C-G. Please join Eddie and Adam next week and tune in to Once Upon a Time, Sundays 8, 7 central on ABC and available the following day at abc.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>